Welcome to Just Listen, a celebration of literature from Nashville Public Library. For more stories and poetry, visit our website at library.nashville.org. Please feel free to leave a comment or to make requests or recommendations. And now, for today's selection. Today we will enjoy three poems that fall under the category of poems that tell a story. The first, Paul Revere's Ride, by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, is an American classic, its first two lines known by almost every American schoolchild, although few have experienced the entire poem, which undoes some popular misconceptions about the story of his ride itself. The second poem, Kentucky Bell, tells the story of a heroic horse during the Civil War. The poet, Constance Fenimore Woolson, was an American novelist, poet, and short story writer. She was a grandniece of James Fenimore Cooper and is best known for fictions about the Great Lakes region, the American South, and American expatriates in Europe. And our third poem, The Highwayman, by Alfred Noyes, an English author and one of the most prolific writers of the 20th century, notably known for his ballads. In 1995, The Highwayman was voted 15th in the BBC's poll for the nation's favorite poems. Poems that tell a story. We begin. Paul Revere's Ride Listen, my children, and you shall hear of the midnight ride of Paul Revere. On the 18th of April in 75, hardly a man is now alive who remembers that famous day and year. He said to his friend, If the British march by land or sea or from the town tonight, hang a lantern aloft in the belfry arch of the North Church Tower as a signal light. One if by land, and two if by sea, and I on the opposite shore will be, ready to ride and spread the alarm through every Middlesex village and farm for the country folk to be up and to arm. Then he said good night and with muffled oars silently rode to the Charleston shore, just as the moon rose over the bay where swinging wide at her moorings lay the Somerset, British man of war, a phantom ship with each mast and spar across the moon like a prison bar and a huge black hulk that was magnified by its own reflection in the tide. Meanwhile his friend through alley and street wanders and watches with eager ears till in the silence around him he hears the muster of men at the barrack door, the sound of arms and the tramp of feet and the measured tread of the grenadiers marching down to their boats on the shore. Then he climbed the tower of the old north church by the wooden stairs with stealthy tread to the belfry chamber overhead and startled the pigeons from their perch on the somber rafters that round him made masses and moving shapes of shade by the trembling ladder steep and tall to the highest window in the wall where he paused to listen and look down a moment on the roofs of the town and the moonlight flowing over all. Beneath in the churchyard lay the dead in their night encampment on the hill, wrapped in silence so deep and still that he could hear, like a sentinel's tread, the watchful night wind as it went creeping along from tent to tent and seeming to whisper, All is well. A moment only he feels the spell of the place and the hour and the secret dread of the lonely belfry and the dead. 
for suddenly all his thoughts are bent on a shadowy something far away, where the river widens to meet the bay, a line of black that bends and floats on the rising tide like a bridge of boats. Meanwhile, impatient to mount and ride, booted and spurred with a heavy stride on the opposite shore walked Paul Revere. Now he patted his horse's side, now gazed at the landscape far and near, then impetuous, stamped the earth and turned and tightened his saddle girth. But mostly he watched with eager search the belfry tower of the old north church as it rose above the graves on the hill, lonely and spectral and somber and still. And lo, as he looks, on the belfry's height a glimmer and then a gleam of light. He springs to the saddle, the bridle he turns, but lingers and gazes till full on his sight a second lamp in the belfry burns. A hurry of hoofs in a village street, a shape in the moonlight, a bulk in the dark, and beneath from the pebbles, in passing, a spark struck out by a steed flying fearless and fleet. That was all. And yet, through the gloom and the light, the fate of a nation was riding that night, and the spark struck out by that steed in his flight kindled the land into flame with its heat. He has left the village and mounted the steep, and beneath him, tranquil and broad and deep, is the mystic, meeting the ocean tides. And under the alders that skirt its edge, now soft on the sand, now loud on the ledge, is heard the tramp of his steed as he rides. It was twelve by the village clock when he crossed the bridge into Medford Town. He heard the crowing of the cock and the barking of the farmer's dog and felt the damp of the river fog that rises after the sun goes down. It was one by the village clock when he galloped into Lexington. He saw the gilded weathercock swim in the moonlight as he passed and the meeting-house windows, blank and bare, gaze at him with a spectral glare as if they already stood aghast at the bloody work they would look upon. It was two by the village clock when he came to the bridge in Concord Town. He heard the bleating of the flock and the twitter of birds among the trees and felt the breath of the morning breeze blowing over the meadows brown. And one was safe and asleep in his bed, who at the bridge would be first to fall, who that day would be lying dead, pierced by a British musket ball. You know the rest. In the books you have read, how the British regulars fired and fled, how the farmers gave them ball for ball from behind each fence and farmyard wall, chasing the redcoats down the lane, then crossing the fields to emerge again under the trees at the turn of the road, and only pausing to fire and load. So through the night rode Paul Revere, and so through the night went his cry of alarm to every Middlesex village and farm a cry of defiance and not of fear, a voice in the darkness, a knock at the door, and a word that shall echo forevermore. For, born on the night wind of the past, through all our history, to the last, in the hour of darkness and peril and need, the people will waken and listen to hear the hurrying hoofbeats of that steed and the midnight message of Paul Revere. <laughs> Kentucky Bell Summer of 63, sir, and Conrad was gone away. Gone to the country town, sir, to sell our first load of hay. We lived in the log house yonder, poor as ever you've seen. 
Roshan there was a baby, and I was only nineteen. Conrad, he took the oxen, but he left Kentucky Bell. How much we thought of Kentuck, I couldn't begin to tell. Came from the bluegrass country, my father gave her to me, when I rode north with Conrad, away from the Tennessee. Conrad lived in Ohio. A German he is, you know. The house stood in broad cornfields, stretching on row after row. The old folks made me welcome. They were kind as kind could be. But I kept longing, longing for the hills of the Tennessee. Oh, for a sight of water, the shadowed slope of a hill, clouds that hang on the summit, a wind that never is still. But the level land went stretching away to meet the sky, never a rise from north to south to rest the weary eye. From east to west, no river to shine out under the moon, nothing to make a shadow in the yellow afternoon, only the breathless sunshine as I looked out all forlorn, only the rustle, rustle, as I walked among the corn. When I fell sick with pining, we didn't wait any more, but moved away from the cornlands out to this river shore. The Tuscaroras, it's called, sir. Off there's a hill, you see, and now I've grown to like it next best to the Tennessee. I was at work that morning. Someone came riding like mad over the bridge and up the road, Farmer Ralph's little lad. Bareback he rode, he had no hat. He hardly stopped to say, Morgan's men are coming. Frau, they're galloping on this way. I'm sent to warn the neighbors. He isn't a mile behind. He sweeps up all the horses, every horse that he can find. Morgan, Morgan the raider, and Morgan's terrible men, with bowie knives and pistols, are galloping up the glen. The lad rode down the valley, and I stood still at the door. The baby laughed and prattled, playing with spools on the floor. Kentuck was out in the pasture. Conrad, my man, was gone. Near, near Morgan's men were galloping, galloping on. Suddenly I picked up baby and ran to the pasture bar. Kentuck, I called, Kentucky. She knew me ever so far. I led her down the gully that turns off there to the right and tied her to the bushes. Her head was just out of sight. As I ran back to the log house, at once there came a sound, the ring of hoofs, galloping hoofs, trembling over the ground. Coming into the turnpike, out from the white woman glen, Morgan, Morgan the raider, and Morgan's terrible men. As near they drew and nearer, my heart beat fast in alarm, but still I stood in the doorway, with baby on my arm. They came, they passed, with spur and whip, in haste they sped along, Morgan, Morgan the raider, and his band six hundred strong. Weary they looked and jaded, riding through night and through day, pushing on east to the river many long miles away, to the border strip where Virginia runs up into the west and for the upper Ohio before they could stop to rest. On like the wind they hurried, and Morgan rode in advance. Bright were his eyes like live coals, and he gave me a sideways glance. And I was just breathing freely after my choking pain when the last one of the troopers suddenly drew his rein. Frightened I was to death, sir, I scarce dared look in his face as he asked for a drink of water and glanced around the place. I gave him a cup and he smiled. T'was only a boy, you see, faint and worn with dim blue eyes, and he'd sailed on the Tennessee. Only sixteen he was, sir, a fond mother's only son, 
off and away with Morgan before his life had begun. The damp drops stood on his temples, drawn was his boyish mouth, and I thought me of the mother waiting down in the south. Oh, pluck was he to the backbone, and clear grit through and through, boasted and bragged like a trooper, but the big words wouldn't do. The boy was dying, sir, dying, as plain as plain could be, worn out by his ride with Morgan up from the Tennessee. But when I told the laddie that I too was from the south, water came in his dim eyes and quivers around his mouth. Do you know the bluegrass country? He wistful began to say, then swayed like a willow sapling and fainted dead away. I had him into the log house and worked and brought him to. I fed him and coaxed him as I thought his mother'd do. And when the lad got better and the noise in his head was gone, Morgan's men were miles away, galloping, galloping on. Oh, I must go, he muttered. I must be up and away. Morgan, Morgan is waiting for me. Oh, what will Morgan say? But I heard a sound of tramping and kept him back from the door, the ringing sound of horses' hoofs that I had heard before. And on, on came the soldiers, the Michigan cavalry, and fast they rode and black they looked, galloping rapidly. They had followed hard on Morgan's track, they had followed day and night, but of Morgan and Morgan's raiders they had never caught a sight. And rich Ohio sat startled through all those summer days, for strange wild men were galloping over her broad highways. Now here, now there, now seen, now gone, now north, now east, now west, through river valleys and cornland farms, sweeping away her best. A bold ride and a long ride, but they were taken at last. They almost reached the river by galloping hard and fast. But the boys in blue were upon them ere they gained the ford, and Morgan, Morgan the raider, laid down his terrible sword. Well, I kept the boy till evening, kept him against his will, but he was too weak to follow, and sat there pale and still. When it was cool and dusky, you'll wonder to hear me tell, but I stole down to that gully and brought up Kentucky Belle. I kissed the star on her forehead, my pretty gentle lass, but I knew that she'd be happy back in the old blue grass. A suit of clothes of Conrad's with all the money I had, and Kentuck, poor Kentuck, I gave to the worn-out lad. I guided him to the southward as well as I knew how. The boy rode off with many thanks and many a backward bow, and then the glow it faded, and my heart began to swell, as down the glen away she went, my lost Kentucky Belle. When Conrad came in the evening, the moon was shining high. Baby and I were both crying. I couldn't tell him why. But a battered suit of rebel gray was hanging on the wall, and a thin old horse with drooping head stood in Kentucky's stall. Well, he was kind and never once said a hard word to me. He knew I couldn't help it. "'Twas all for the Tennessee. "'But after the war was over, "'just think what came to pass. "'A letter, sir, and the two were safe "'back in the old bluegrass. "'The lad had got across the border, "'riding Kentucky Bell, "'and Kentuck she was thriving and fat "'and hearty and well. "'He cared for her and kept her, "'nor touched her with whip or spur. "'Ah, we've had many horses, "'but never a horse like her.' Thank <laughs> you.
The Highwayman The wind was a torrent of darkness among the gusty trees. The moon was a ghostly galleon tossed upon cloudy seas. The road was a ribbon of moonlight over the purple moor, and the highwayman came riding, riding, riding. The highwayman came riding up to the old inn door. He'd a French cocked hat on his forehead and a bunch of lace at his chin, a coat of the claret velvet and breeches of brown doe-skin. They fitted with never a wrinkle. His boots were up to the thigh, and he rode with a jeweled twinkle, his pistol butts a twinkle, his rapier hilt a twinkle, under the jeweled sky. Over the cobbles he clattered and clashed in the dark inn-yard. He tapped with his whip on the shutters, but all was locked and barred. He whistled a tune to the window, and who should be waiting there? but the landlord's black-haired daughter, Bess, the landlord's daughter, plating a dark red love-knot into her long black hair. And dark in the dark old inn-yard, a stable-wicket creaked, where Tim the ostler listened. His face was white and peaked. His eyes were hollows of madness and his hair like moldy hay. But he loved the landlord's daughter, the landlord's red-lipped daughter. Dumb as a dog, he listened, and he heard the robber say, One kiss, my bonny sweetheart. I'm after a prize tonight, but I shall be back with the yellow gold before the morning light. Yet if they press me sharply and harry me through the day, then look for me by moonlight. Watch for me by moonlight. I'll come to thee by moonlight though hell should bar the way. He rose upright in the stirrups. He scarce could reach her hand, but she loosened her hair in the casement. His face burned like a brand as the black cascade of perfume came tumbling over his breast, and he kissed its waves in the moonlight. Oh, sweet black waves in the moonlight. Then he tugged at his rein in the moonlight and galloped away to the west. He did not come in the dawning, he did not come at noon, and out of the tawny sunset, before the rise of the moon, when the road is a gypsy's ribbon looping the purple moor, a redcoat troop came marching, marching, marching. King George's men came marching, up to the old inn door. They said no word to the landlord, they drank his ale instead. Then they gagged his daughter and bound her to the foot of her narrow bed. Two of them knelt at her casement with muskets at their side. There was death at every window, and hell at one dark window, for Bess could see through her casement the road that he would ride. They had tied her up to attention with many a sniggering jest, and they bound a musket beside her with the barrel beneath her breast. Now keep good watch, and they kissed her. She heard the dead man say, Look for me by moonlight, watch for me by moonlight. I'll come to thee by moonlight, though hell should bar the way. She twisted her hands behind her, but all the knots held good. 
She writhed her hands till her fingers were wet with sweat or blood. They stretched and strained in the darkness, and the hours crawled by like years, till now on the stroke of midnight, cold on the stroke of midnight, the tip of one finger touched it. The trigger at last was hers. The tip of one finger touched it. She strove no more for the rest. Up she stood to attention with the barrel beneath her breast. She would not risk their hearing. She would not strive again. For the road lay bare in the moonlight, blank and bare in the moonlight, and the blood in her veins in the moonlight throbbed to her love's refrain. Tlot, 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 tlot. Had they heard it? The horse hoofs ringing clear? Tlot, 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 tlot. In the distance, were they deaf that they did not hear? Down the ribbon of moonlight, over the brow of the hill, the highwayman came riding, 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 the redcoats looked to their priming. She stood up straight and still. Tlot, tlot, in the frosty silence. Tlot, tlot, in the echoing night. Nearer he came and nearer. Her face was like a light. Her eyes grew wide for a moment. She drew one last deep breath. Then her finger moved in the moonlight. Her musket shattered the moonlight, shattered her breast in the moonlight, and warned him with her death. He turned, he spurred to the west. He did not know who stood bowed with her head o'er the musket, drenched with her own red blood. Not till the dawn had he heard it. His face grew gray to hear how Bess, the landlord's daughter, the landlord's black-eyed daughter, had watched for her love in the moonlight and died in the darkness there. Back he spurred like a madman, shrieking his curse to the sky, with the white road smoking behind him and his rapier brandished high. Blood-red were his spurs in the golden noon, wine-red his velvet coat, when they shot him down on the highway, down like a dog on the highway, and he lay in his blood on the highway, with a bunch of lace at his throat. And still of a winter's night, they say, when the wind is in the trees, when the moon is a ghostly galleon tossed upon cloudy seas, and the road is a ribbon of moonlight over the purple moor, a highwayman comes riding, 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 a highwayman comes riding up to the old inn door. Over the cobbles he clatters and clangs in the dark inn-yard, he taps with his whip on the shutters, but all is locked and barred. He whistles a tune to the window, and who should be waiting there but the landlord's black-eyed daughter, Bess, the landlord's daughter, plaiting a dark red love knot into her long black hair. Thanks for joining us. Tune in to another session of Just Listen by visiting your Nashville Public Library website at library.nashville.org.